Hey everyone, welcome back to episode three of The Scapegoats, the show where four friends talk about all things Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm Josh, here with my co-hosts Cam, Emerson, and Matt. Today we are going to be talking all about locals. If you don't know what I mean by that, then this episode's for you. We're going to be covering everything that you would need to get out and go to your first locals if you've never been to one before. That being said, Anybody that's listening that has been to Locals already, don't worry. We've mixed some things in there for you, too. We're also going to be weaving in some stories about our first Locals, our most memorable Locals, things of that nature. So hopefully you guys get some entertainment out of this as well. But we do know, especially with the rise of Master Duel, a lot of new Yu-Gi-Oh! players have popped up. Plus, we've had to deal with the pandemic for the past two years. So I would bet that there's a good chunk of you guys out there that consume Yu-Gi-Oh! but maybe you haven't gone out and actually played it. So we're going to tell you everything that you're going to need to do that. But before we get started, I did want to take a second to thank all of you guys out there who have left a review for us so far. It has been totally unexpected, to say the least, and it, it means a lot. I know I speak for everybody involved here that we didn't think we'd have more than like two listeners, you know, a few months in. So the fact that we have, you know, more reviews than that already it's just, it's awesome to see. We do at some point, I may have said this in a previous episode, maybe not, but we do want to create some type of community uh, for you guys to give us that feedback in a more casual manner. So you can tell us exactly what you like, what you don't like, what you want more of, what you want less of. But when it comes to those things, we want to do it the right way and we want to do it at the right time. So it may be a little bit early for that, but rest assured that is something that we're working on. But like I said, it means a ton that uh, not only are you guys listening to the podcast, you like it enough to, to go ahead and drop a review for us. So that is just amazing and definitely greatly appreciated. But with all that being said, we can go ahead and get right into the episode. Cam has actually led this one from start to finish. This was his idea and uh, he really wanted to cover this. So Cam, I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you. What you got for us? Good, good deal, good deal. Yes, like Josh said, we're going to be talking about what to expect from locals. I think this could be applied to new players um, as well as, as, as some returning players. I know for me and for a lot of other Yu-Gi-Oh players, we may have played for a while, stopped playing for, you know, possibly even years, and then came back to possibly a very different game. So this is for you all, too. And we are going to be talking about some locals experiences that you guys probably will find funny because we found them to be funny. So the first question and probably the most important question is why should you go to locals? I think that there are currently a lot of people getting into the game due to the rise of master duels popularity. And that's great. But I do think it is a very different universe than what is actually just on master duel. On Master Duel, obviously, there's no interactions with anybody. And for some, that might be a good thing to an extent. But And it can be scary, but it, it's, it's very rewarding to actually sit down and, and do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely scary to be sitting down in front of a person. Like It's a lot different. I remember my first locals experiencing that. But I think it's important to, to get out of that comfort zone because you do get a nice feeling of accomplishment, at least I think. I definitely agree. It. Now, going to a locals and going to a regionals or a YCS or maybe even something all the way up to nationals is two very different things because it all seems like a brand new experience because it kind of is. Whenever you go to locals, it's really scary the first time. 
but it is so much significantly less scary the second time. And the reason for that is the way I like to picture it is if you're going somewhere and you have a hundred people and you know, zero, it is terrifying. But if you go with somewhere with a hundred people and you know, two people, those two people make so much more of a difference than knowing everybody. If that kind of makes sense, it makes sense to me. So like you said, the, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, a lot of people struggle with finding things to do outside of their house that they are comfortable with. And if you're just stuck at home all day, it can get kind of draining and having just the sense of getting out and doing something, like you said, the sense of accomplishment, it does make you feel good. And winning on top of that makes you feel really, really, really good. So uh, we're going to be talking about all of those things. So Emerson, if I, if you don't care, if I tag you in, what was your first locals like and how did you feel going into it? So my first locals, I, okay. So I, you know, I, I recently moved to Kentucky from West Virginia and I had no friends in Kentucky yet. And so I was just like looking around and like in this mall and I saw this card shop. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I saw everyone playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was like, oh, dude, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! like way back in the day. And I was like, maybe I'll get back into it. So the first thing I do, I'm like, okay, cheap decks that I can find. So I build like Monarchs because you don't need an extra deck. You just buy three structure decks. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. So I went to Locals. I went two and two, I think, because you know, I, I had like a reasonable understanding of the game. Damn, I had, it was two and two links. at your first Locals? That's fantastic. I, think so yeah I, i'm pretty sure because i didn't get destroyed because like if i did i felt like i would have just kind of gave up mm-hmm. was with illegal cards i just want to make that known for those <laughs> yeah. of y'all I, I think that was the second to our first locals. episode when you, for those of y'all who listened to our first episode emerson was using illegal cards so you went 2-2 and you decided that wasn't good enough so you were going to cheat and the next one? No, yeah. Well, I don't know because I played Monarchs for a while. And so I think I like the new ban list came out. And then I saw that Pantheism went to two in the OCG. And I was like, oh, sweet, it's at two. So I'll throw another one in there. And then, yeah, because nice. like, you know, my Yu-Gi-Oh knowledge, as we saw from the last episode, is uh, not the greatest. So mm-hmm. I, I, when I recently got back in, I don't think I knew the OCG and the TCG. But anyway. It was it was fun, you know, and I didn't meet you all until the second locals. And then once, you know, I met you all, it was a wrap from there because now I had like friends, you know, we all played Yu-Gi-Oh. So it was okay. And then I still lost. I think I honestly I was like two and two forever until like I started getting better because I would beat some of the like, you know, some of the other people at our locals, but I would usually lose to like you all, um, because you all were just like better than me. But now sometimes, you know, I'll sneak up on you and I'll, I'll win a locals, oh, you know, definitely. here and there. I think that's an awesome story because like, like you said, second locals, like you already met some people that you were, you know, becoming friends with and down to go again at locals. Like it's, it's that quick, you know, like Cam said, I mean, it, it can be a little tough because it, it is a, a, out of people's comfort zone uh, for a lot of people that have just started playing the game. But like, I mean, you can go once or twice and like you can already have a friend group at that point, because I think a a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh players like they remember being in that position. I certainly do. So a lot of them are more than willing to go up to you and and make you feel comfortable in a good way. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you automatically have at least one thing in common with every single person there. So you're you're starting with a good base around there. So, Josh, I didn't know you. And actually, I, I was you, you were like Emerson said, you were one of the, the, the better players already 
when I had started going, because I think you and Matt both were, you know, you both been playing longer than I have. So you both have been going to locals longer than I have. So obviously I didn't know you when you uh, started your first locals. So I'm very interested to see how your first locals went. I can't wait to get to that later. It's it's actually not much of a story, but it'll be interesting at the very least. Okay, so Matt, what about (laughs) what about you? Or do you have something that you're willing to share, or are you wanting to keep secrets like Josh? I'm willing to share. I'll I'll be open with you guys. I won't keep any secrets from you guys. My first, my very first local was in Owensboro, and I was staying with my brother because I was a senior in college or senior in high school. And oh, he wait. Was, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Wait. Oh, were you asking me to tell the story then? It just clicked. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. I thought I was getting into it. Sorry. To be. Honestly, right. we should keep this in the episode. That is hilarious. <laughs> you can go ahead. Okay. Okay. So okay, my, my first locals was 2016, I believe. What led up to it, I, I actually kind of did this in the opposite way. Like pretty much everyone here, I think I've had the cards like back in the day. I watched the anime I played. So I had them at home but I hadn't touched them for years and years and years. So I end up is actually uh, my AP lit class that I was in senior year. It just so happened that the two guys that sat in front of me that I was pretty friendly with already brought decks to school. And I was like, whoa, I, that's Yu-Gi-Oh. I recognize that stuff. And so it's <laughs> we actually started, uh, I guess you could call it a Yu-Gi-Oh club. So like every morning or several mornings, we would meet up before school in Mr. Gray's classroom and uh, just play Yu-Gi-Oh. But what that led to, uh, obviously, like I'm a really competitive guy and uh, so was one of the other guys in the group, James. Uh, So we kind of went back and forth and I was like, well, I'm tired of losing because he had a a good deck at the time. So I bought a deck, a structure deck, Agents. Now, if you know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh history, Agents were good in what, 2011? Uh, And it was 2016. So I had this deck and I was super excited. So I went to locals with agents and this was in the middle of like monarch cosmo burning abyss format and the only match i remember is playing against this guy q at our locals he's a veteran been around since uh, the beginning of the game almost and uh, he to to make a long story short he kicked my ass (laughs) like he did not go easy on me at all he knew i was brand new he destroyed me and uh, i didn't i think i won like a single game maybe out of the entire tournament and i was completely crushed and did not go back for uh five months so that's how my first locals went but it was i mean in our locals getting your ass kicked by q is like a rite of passage honestly it is it is it's a rite of passage that's a good way to look at it josh i have a question does your dueling nexus username is that what that's a reference to oh no but that would be great my name is agent j by the way for any of you out there that is I I should have said yes actually good catch <laughs> good catch but no but yeah I mean it, um, it was fun it, it was nice to get out of the comfort zone and do it I did end up going back later because I really wanted that competitive feeling again so even though I got completely destroyed you know I went back Q remembered me and uh, you know he was super friendly you know the entire time so that kept me coming back afterwards so that's it for me what about you Matt so to continue, I uh, I was in Owensboro actually, and uh, the first deck I had was uh, Dragon Ruler Light Swords, which you could banish Eclipse Wyvern to uh, search for Judgment Dragon, which was the big combo in that deck. And uh, basically, I was just down there for a weekend, and I had nothing to do for a whole day, and I did absolutely awful. And I learned that Shadal Window was a card even back then; it was still really strong. And I scrubbed out and went 0 and 4. 
Wow. Cam, what, how did you, what, how did you do at your first locals? Do you remember? I, I do remember. I, I more remember the emotions associated with my first locals, mm-hmm. but I do remember what I played and how well I played. I had, I had actually, mine was not a very spur of the moment thing. I had been thinking about going to locals for a long while. And my friend Zach and I, who he might be on the show one day making an appearance, we finally got up the courage to go. And I went and I was playing Cosmo Metal Foes, which is a, it's it's a it's a it's it was a good deck at the time. Yeah, it was I just a little strange. And it really wasn't a very beginner friendly deck, to be honest. Um, oh. Not near as beginner friendly as most decks that beginners might play. So I, I didn't do very well with it. I didn't do what I think I probably. I'm almost positive it, I was one and three and I was, I was, I was content. It, I was one and three. I remember because at the end of it, I was a little bit disappointed, but I was very happy that I had won a game. So, and I did win a game. So I was, I was pretty excited about that. I do remember Josh, Josh, you were playing some sort of invoked variant, which is weird because you hate invoke, yeah. but you were playing some version of invoked, probably mech knights. Maybe I have no idea. I must have been borrowing um, borrowing somebody's deck because I think they were brand new at that point. Like I was saying about the emotions, though, whenever I, I was so scared and I just because I obviously I didn't know anybody except my friend, which if he wasn't there, I'm not going to lie. I definitely would never have gone <laughs> if I, I would never have walked in there by myself. So mad respect to the rest of the scapegoats for going in by themselves, because I just I wouldn't have, to be honest. And I probably never would have made the friend group I had I had now. And I would be only a workaholic instead of a workaholic that also plays Yu-Gi-Oh. So, but I do remember when I walked in, I was looking a little nervous and you could tell I was looking kind of nervous. And this guy came up to me and he shook my hand and said, Hey, how's it going? And I was like, uh, good. Meanwhile, I was probably 16, 17 years old. So, you know, for me, barely hitting puberty. And I was like, I was like, Hey, you know, or Hey, you know, probably sounded something more like that. And he, he, he said, hey, uh, is it your first time here? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. I'm really nervous. He goes, don't be nervous, man. And he said, at, at the end of the day, we're all here. We're all a bunch of nerds just playing a nerdy card game. And that actually stuck with me, like even today, because I, I still get nervous, especially going to regionals and higher level events. I get really nervous sitting down in front of someone I don't know and being like, hey, man, like we're about to play a game together. But then I think about it. I'm like, this dude is a nerd. And so is all of these other people. So are all of these other people around me. So why am I nervous? I was like, you know, these guys are a bunch of dorks and I have a girlfriend and I've had sex. So honestly, <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. Hey, they honestly, might have too. They might too. They, they might be slain. Probably not. They probably weren't, you know, they probably didn't. So honestly, I was like, I'm winning, you know, win or lose. I have a girlfriend at the end of the day. Right. You know, you, you've probably never even seen a girl because you've never been out of your basement. But yeah, you know, that's besides the point. Right. So we've all talked about our first locals experience. This section is going to be uh, more dedicated to newer players. So, Matt, I'm going to be allowing you to do this next section. Matt, what do you need to go to locals? First thing I would very highly recommend is a pair of Japanese size deck card sleeves. They're going to help you shuffle way easier. It's going to keep all your cards clean and not bent on the edges and not creased. And you can shuffle it. It's it's just, it's only like, you can buy a cheap one for like three bucks. So just get even a cheap pair of like card sleeves is going to infinitely improve your experience. Second thing, most tournaments are a $5 fee. So, and that will include an OTS pack, which sometimes is just worth more than your $5 anyways. So it's uh, really not that bad of a cost. Third thing is going to be your deck box. 
which there's a wide variety of deck boxes. You can also buy some of these for as cheap as just a, a couple of bucks. The third thing we're going to recommend, and I think this is the least important one, but I would still recommend it as soon as you get the option to, is a, a play mat. Most shops will have play mats on their tables for you, but if you can afford one, you can get some on Amazon for as cheap as like seven, eight bucks. And I, I know uh, as a new player, what I'd really appreciate is having the zones on my play mat. Just to oh, make sure yeah, it's all that lined is up. And, super helpful. Super helpful. Yeah. If, and then if you ever play against a deck where the zones matter, like Mech Knights or whatever, there's a couple decks that do that. They can't cheat you out of anything like that. But yeah, that's what I'd recommend bringing to uh, my first locals. Yeah. I, I'll I second that. Yeah. Deck sleeves definitely want that. If, if for no other reason than to protect the investment you made in your cards, right? So, you know, five, 10 bucks for that, $5 for an entry fee. You know, find yourself yeah, a that's deck a, box. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah, get yourself a deck box and a play mat. You may want to bring some dice. Usually other players will have those though, so it's not a must. I haven't brought dice to locals in probably three years and I've gotten by just fine. But you might want to get some and I'm sure you have some laying around anyway and bring something to carry your stuff into. You don't you don't want to just leave your stuff out and about just in case there is anybody in there that may try to swipe it. But yeah, I mean, you get that stuff together, you can head off to your first locals and uh, you'll have everything you need. For those who are concerned about cost, all the things that Matt and Josh said are, are, are very true. I, do, I think it's important to have most of those things. Like Matt said, you could probably get away without having a play mat because most most OTS stores are going to have play mats uh, on the table, which is great. But the zones, they really do help a whole lot. They, you know, kind of stop some discrepancies can ha- from happening, like Matt said, with certain decks and card interactions. So I do think it's kind of important for that. I definitely think that the $5 entry fee, I, is that a, do we know if that's like across the board? Like, is that like Konami's rule or is that up to the decision of the stores or what? Do y'all know? Uh, I, I, is it more? I, I believe that $5 seems like the standard because like, I, I know I've gone to a couple different card shops before and I don't remember specifically that it was any more. And I feel like I definitely would remember if it's like, oh, it's $10 at this card store. I feel like I'd remember that. So I think it's just $5 across the board, unless unless there are a couple times when card shops will do, you know, like special events, like a structure deck tournament or something, then it may be 20. But if you go on any normal day, which uh, for some card shops is different, sometimes uh, for ours, it was Saturday. For the longest time, they'd always run a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. Others, it's different. Sometimes it's like Wednesday or something. Um, but if you go on any normal day, five bucks should be all you need. Speaking of structure, starter deck tournaments, whatever you want to call it. I know for our card shop, a lot of times what they do for things like that is they'll say, instead of paying an entry fee, buy the structure deck or buy this. Usually it's a starter deck. Buy a starter deck and that is your entry fee. So essentially, you're not even really paying for an entry fee. You're just paying for the starter deck, which is really cool. And honestly, I wish we could do starter deck tournaments uh, again soon because those are, those are they're so love, much fun. I love there's so much more. I'm garbage based. in that format, but I love it. <laughs> it's it's much more skill based so, or, because you don't have someone going and spending, you know, 300 plus dollars on a play set of Forbidden Droplet and you working with, you know, not there's anything wrong with, with playing on a budget and, and, you know, playing Chalice instead. But Droplet is just a much better card. But in a starter mm-hmm. starter deck tournament. For those of you all who don't know what it is, you have a starter deck, you play it directly out of the packaging. You can put sleeves on it if you want to, but, and most people do, but you play exactly what Konami says you play in that. So everyone just sees 
how well they can play that deck. And I think that's really, really cool. So the next thing that we're going to be talking about, we, well, we talked about all of the, you know, the prices of, of what everything kind of should be close to. We talked about what you need to have, what you maybe don't need to have. So the next thing we're going to be talking about is how Swiss style bracket, Swiss style tournaments work. And I would definitely love Josh to explain this because it is, it's kind of confusing for someone who has never done it before. It actually took me a long time to understand what Swiss style was, but Josh, you want to take it away on that one? Yeah. Yeah. If you've never been to a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament before, it's not like, uh, what's a good example? March Madness. It's not like March Madness where you play one person, you beat that person and then you go on. And like at the end of the day, you have one champion that way. It is in a sense because you are going to be up against one person and then you'll play the next person and so on and so on. But the way it works is typically at a locals or any bigger tournament, there's too many people for you to play everybody, right? So it sorts you based on records. So typically, I think standard for locals is four rounds. I think you need 15 to 20 people to do that and how it'll work. So uh, round one, I believe, is random. You just get paired up against somebody. If you win that match, then, and first of all, every match is a two out of three, right? So you play game one, you randomly decide who goes first with dice. Usually whoever loses picks who goes first the next game and so on and so on until one player wins two games out of the three. If you win that match, you then go on to play somebody that also won their match. Conversely, if you lost your match, then you go on and play somebody that lost. So it's what's good about that is if you lose in round one, it's not the end of the world, right? You're playing somebody who also lost. So theoretically, you would have a better chance to win than if you were playing against somebody that had won their previous match. And to get... It's actually usually better to lose in round one than have to lose in like round two or three. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. And you just keep going through that for however many rounds there are. How it should work is the very last round should be two players that are undefeated. And so one of them will lose and whoever won gets first place. And at that point, it gets a little bit confusing because there will probably be multiple players, let's say four rounds, that are three and one, have won three matches, lost one match. At that point, it goes to tiebreakers, which I don't really agree with how this is done but your tiebreakers are usually based on how your opponents did. So they figure that out somehow. Like if you're, if the people you played did better than the person that they played, then you'll win with the same record. You'll win out. But usually like to a top certain amount of people will get prizes. It could be three. It could be four. It could be five. So, you know, you want to do your best to get into that obviously. And uh, usually they just hand out the most recent set that came out unless they're out of it or something, they may hand out some other, some other packs or something, but you're going to get some type of prizing for finishing three, one. I believe everyone that finishes three, one usually gets something at least at our locals. But again, you know, you can lose round one, you go into the theoretical losers bracket, you play through it, you win uh, the next three matches and boom, you're three, one and you get prizing. So, so yeah, that's, that is how Swiss works. All right. So Moving on to the next section, Emerson, I would love for you to talk about some of the some of the unspoken rules of locals. These aren't things that are necessarily in the rule book. Well, you all know what unspoken rules are, but these these are kind of funny things that people do that you just kind of don't. You're, you're going to get a weird look for at, at, at least. 
So Emerson, you want to take it away with that? Sure, Cam. And I'm sure the first one I would say you're quite familiar with. So if you don't know, if you go to your locals and you don't know someone and you're trying to get to know them, you're like, hey, what deck you're playing? It might sound, you know, like harmless, but like, especially if that person's very competitive, they're not going to tell you what deck they're playing because then you'll know how to play against that deck. And, you know, we went to a regionals and, oh, you know, man. me and all of us four were there. We went to some what? Other friends. Huh? Oh, man, I don't even I don't even want to hear about this. It's a good story. Yes, yes. So and so we're all sitting there, you know, prepping for this regionals. And this guy comes and he's like, hey, man, you know, we're like, you know, what's going on? We're like, you know, we're just getting ready to this regional. Do you mind if I hang out? And we're like, yeah, sure. You know, again, we're trying to be friendly like we talked about. We, we're usually pretty friendly people. And so, you know, we're, we're playing each other, doing some test hands. And this guy is literally sitting there looking at all of our decks. And so, anyway, the, the regional starts. We start playing. I had Cam. a bad feeling. I told everybody I had yep. a bad feeling about this dude. Yeah, yep. I, was, I was about to say, if I'm remembering it correctly, Cam, like the dude had come over and we were play testing, I believe, or just like, like looking at our decks, kind of talking through some stuff. So that's why he was able to see. And Cam was like, stop talking to this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. like just, just tell him to go away or something or like, let's yeah, go over here. Like a dick. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, no, no, it's fine. Like he could stay. He's just, he's just testing with us. He's just watching. It's cool. But yeah, keep going. Emerson. Like, I don't know if we knew what he was playing. We did not because we had we no did idea. did not know what he was playing. Yes. Cause he, he, cause Cam had to play this guy. And so wasn't it like Cam, he made you go, you were playing Salamangrace and he knew you were playing Salamangrace. So he made you go first or second. I don't remember what was more advantageous at the time. Yes. But at the, at the time, keep in mind, this was, this was, what, what do you call it? It wasn't necessarily a regional. What, what do you call those? Hold, hold on. I remember. I remember. So let me set the stage a little better for it, actually, because I remember okay. this very specifically. <laughs> so they did end up playing. Not only did they end up playing each other, the guy and Cam, they ended up playing each other in the very final round of the tournament. Okay. And this was, I, it was a regional style. It was a smaller card shop though. So there wasn't, you know, hundreds of Yu-Gi-Oh players there, but I remember specifically top eight got invites uh, to nationals. Right. And this wasn't a tournament that we came to just like F around at or anything. You know, we came to get invites. I remember Emerson was playing true Dracos. Cam was playing Salaman Great, which was a fairly new deck, but definitely up there in the meta. And they, it was a Salaman Great mirror match for, for that last round. But that guy had an advantage starting out because he knew exactly what Cam was playing already because he'd seen, I think, me and Cam maybe play test a little bit earlier. And so, you know, having that information, super valuable. The guy does end up winning and Cam finishes in ninth place. One spot off from getting the invite to nationals because I decided to let that dude stay and look at all of our decks before the tournament. I <laughs> so the moral of the story, this is actually Josh's fault. Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was so mad at this dude for until now. I'm still mad. <laughs> I'm yeah, still yeah. mad at this dude. Yeah. And this was years bills. ago. And oh, it was, I was so mad because out of all of the at least 32 people, probably more than that, probably closer to 40 or 50, yeah. out of all of the people I could have been matched up against in the final round, 
it was this guy. And he had been standing over our shoulders for, I mean, what, 30, 40 minutes because we were there pretty early. Yeah, It was a yeah. good 30 to 40 minutes of play of, you know, test hands, play testing, whatever you want to call it before the tournament, just looking at honestly, probably every single card in my deck. Yeah. I remember too, at the very end, I, I think you knew Cam, you had an idea. You were like, oh, I didn't top. And I was like, well, I mean, there may be a chance. Cause again, like how Swiss works, tiebreakers may have gotten you in there. So like, we were pretty much ready to leave. Like we were close to the door. They put up the results and I saw you got ninth and I was just like, all right, let's go. Let's go. You don't need to look at it, but it, it is theoretically my fault that you got ninth at that regional, but yeah, a fun, fun story now, at least. So that's a big unspoken rule. So just, just, just don't ask people if they volunteer the information that's one thing they may tell you if you ask if you do decide to but honestly if you're if if you come up to me at a locals and you're like hey what deck are you playing today and you're not someone that i'm like necessarily if if you're my friend i'll tell you you know what i mean if if, especially because at that point you probably already know or if it's someone that you know i typically joke around with i might tell you but if you're just some random dude that i've talked to like one time maybe and you're like hey what deck are you playing Typically, my response is I'll like laugh and I'll be like, oh, guess you have to wait and see. And, you know, that's like the least awkward thing that I can say (laughs) besides get out of my face. You know what I mean? But but I wouldn't actually say that. I do have another unspoken rule. So one thing you well, really, I guess the best way to say it is to not be annoying to people. You because sometimes, you know, we've been to a lot of locals. Right. And sometimes there's people there that are just constantly going up to every single person asking, Hey, do you have any cards for trade? Do you have any cards for trade? I have this. Do you want this? And I mean, that's fine. You know, it's always a lot easier. Like with the previous rule, if you've, if you have a bond with them or you know them, then it's cool. But you know, you definitely don't want to be that guy in the room that other people are looking at and, you know, saying to themselves, don't even look at this guy or he's going to come up to you and bother you about, you know, trading or, you know, something like that. Especially during a duel. That oh is a gosh, pet yeah. peeve of mine. And and really just, unless it's somebody you know, probably don't go up and talk to them while they're dueling at all, unless you really need to. You know what I mean? I think going along with that, another big unspoken rule, actually, I don't even, this might actually be a real rule, is you don't, you don't get involved in others' games. Yeah. If two people are dueling and you're sitting and they're coaching. sitting across the table from each other, even if they're just casually playing, you still shouldn't go up to them and tell them about how something works or tell them about an interaction or especially give them suggestions. That's a huge, huge no-no in Yu-Gi-Oh is, is what, what's the word for that? Like intervening to some extent. I think Matt coaching. said it like coaching. Yeah. That type coaching, of coaching. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't do that. Cause if you, if you're doing that with my opponent, I'm going to be pissed. I'm not going to start a scene, yeah. but I'm, I'm going to be boiling inside a little bit to be well, honest. Wasn't there, wasn't there a story where something like that happened um, at a different regional event we were at where some dude like activated like a crystal wing in like a, it was like a light sworn deck. It was, or maybe he activated snow and you said, oh yeah, but he God. said he activated something else in Louisville. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm like somebody, so somebody on the side was like, no, 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 he said this. And so the judge ruling was like, all right, well it happens because some other dude that was, wasn't even supposed to be involved. Like, exactly. You know, it was, I friend, was there too. Was that was the problem. Yeah. And and there, it was actually the funny part about that is it was towards the end of the round of, of time. And there were a lot of people around watching. Mm-hmm. And I think that judge was also kind of cool with the, the player that I was playing against. Yeah, but that actually cost me the game. And he he ruled it in his favor. 
basically they said I negated one card when I definitely did not negate that card. And I literally, he said, activate this effect. And I said, negate. And he goes, oh, no, you negated this. Well, the judge ruled it in his favor somehow. And that dude was a regular was at that card shop. Yes. And yeah. that, and that kind of was the problem there, but everyone else was like looking at the judge, like, no, that's not how that works. And he goes, yep. I said it. I'm the judge. End of story. Let's go next round. And I was like, okay, well, I lost that. I lost that game too and lost the round. So that kind of sucked. So I guess I will exception to that rule. If you see something incorrect going on, you can say something like if there's a ruling dispute and they call over a judge or something, and you saw the whole thing play out, and one of the players tries to falsify that, you can definitely jump in and be like, uh, I saw that, and that's not what happened. But in any other situation, you know, you don't want to be telling people what to do with their cards. You don't want to be you know, telling them what not to do. You don't, you don't even really want to be talking to people that are dueling unless they're talking to you or something. Josh, how do you feel about telling people when mandatory effects would trigger? <sighs> See, that's, that's, it's, what's the expression I'm looking for? It's a gray area for you? That's a gray area, right? It's tough. Like you don't want to get involved in the middle of a game, but sometimes, you know, when like a round is over, you know, at locals, I will go around and just watch people play, you know, watch these last couple of duels. And when something happens that I know is incorrect, but neither of them know it, it's always tough to want to get involved. But if it is something mandatory like that, I will say something usually and be like, oh, hey, guys, um, sorry, this is actually how how that works. So like I just wouldn't because at, at that point, if neither of them recognize it, they're both theoretically hurting themselves. So I'm like, hey, guys, let's fix this Mech game. Night, purple Nightfall. So I'll like fix that. But if it's anything other than an absolute mandatory thing that has to happen and doesn't, I don't get involved. So like if people miss activations, if they, if they activate a card in the wrong spot, not going to say a word. All right. So we're going to take this section. This is just some uh, important things. This is what we're going to kind of round out this, this topic with is just some important things to remember when you're going to locals, especially if you're new going to locals is the first thing is we already kind of talked about it, but how round one works and how Swiss style, if you get absolutely stomped in round one, there is a silver lining and the silver lining is you can start the next match with a completely clear head. If you choose to, it's really hard, but getting in that I've, I've, I'm probably the worst offender of losing once and just putting my head in a negative state. And you really can't duel that way. Not duel. You can't duel well at least. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a big offender of that, of getting mad and letting it affect my future matches, especially if I feel like something was done incorrectly. You know, it, it sucks, but don't let it get you down. You know, we're going to make mistakes. I still make mistakes all the time. You know, obviously you all saw from the, the ruling game. Uh, apparently all of us make a lot of mistakes all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Just don't so, get tilted. Um, exactly. And it's, yeah. it's hard. Any of you League of Legends players out there, you know, you got to change your mindset when you, <laughs> when you go play <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Because it's not the same. Emerson and I know a little bit about the pain that that game causes. Um, yeah. That's, so, that's uh, something that, that I struggle with too, uh, you know, even playing after all these years, like, I don't know if, do, do you guys know when I'm like raging? Like, can you guys tell, or do I do a good job of hiding it? No, we could tell. You can tell. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So I'm not that great at it then, but man, dude, okay. sometimes like I get, I don't really think tilted. other people know, but we know you guys know it's yeah. I'll start like you say man stuff, really loudly but... when you're angry. You're like, man, that's good. <laughs> Oh man, that's a great card. Or, you know, something like, like dang, that. that's such a good exactly deck. I love like playing against that deck. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it's something that I struggle with. If you're a competitive person, like you, you probably do too. But you know, that's one of the things where I'm not sure if we covered earlier, it's perfectly okay if you're sitting across from somebody to be very friendly and, you know, you know, crack jokes and like talk to them, right? Because they're in front of you and it's an interactive game. You're supposed to do that stuff. And uh, it's a lot better. It's a lot harder to get tilted when, I, when you're playing against somebody that you're having fun with. I definitely agree. There's, there's, there's been times, even at locals, where there's certain players that I play against that I'm not going to lie, are just better than me, typically have more resources as far as what they're willing to spend on cards. And I pretty consistently lose to, but there's one in particular that I play against at locals a lot that he always beats me, pretty much always 2 owes me. But he's very enjoyable to play against, and he keeps it very friendly and lighthearted, and he doesn't get arrogant or anything else. So, you know, I almost don't mind playing against them, even though I normally <laughs> lose against shout them. Out, but, shout out to Justin. Is that who you're talking about? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Absolutely not. Or, Justin, if you're listening, you know good and well. <laughs> you know good and well. Continuing on, Emerson, did you have something? No, no, sorry. All right. So another thing, another tip is it's to have fun. You're going to have fun. Later on, you can go to win. But when you go in the beginning, you're just going to have fun. For me, I was just going to make friends. And I did that. So that's the only. Now, of course, when I go now, I'm not really trying to make friends as much anymore. As you can see, by the way, I'm uh, roasting our colleagues here. But <laughs> uh, but when in the beginning, just go and enjoy yourself. Play what you want to play. A lot of times people are going to. People might judge, you know, what decks you play and what cards you play. And I get it, you know, because there are some incorrect decks and some, there are some incorrect cards to play. But, you know, it's a learning experience. So we all were there at once. There is no one in this world who has played Yu-Gi-Oh! and was an amazing player their first local. So don't let it bring you down. Another tip is to watch the other decks. Watch other duels. Watch. We say watch. Do not talk. But watch other duels. See what they do. Uh, learn the cards. Learn the interactions. Learn the themes of the decks. It's very important. Knowledge is so much power in Yu-Gi-Oh! That's knowledge is most of it, to be honest. Knowing what you're playing against, especially knowing what you're playing with, um, knowing the cards, knowing the decks, just watch YouTube videos. You can learn so much by just watching popular Yu-Gi-Oh! YouTubers and and deck meta meta analysis, deck profiles, all kinds of stuff. Listening Combo to videos. us, you know, whatever. Listening to us, of course, you know, we we yeah. Yeah, I guess um, you can only do so much while listening, though. True, true. And along with that, be informed about what is winning and what's not winning. If you go to locals and you and you know and you're new to locals and you're like, hey, I keep kind of consistently seeing these few decks win. Well, there's a reason for that. That's the meta. So you know you might want to hop on that train. You might not. Not every player is equal. So you know that's teach their own, I guess. Anyway, uh, so that pretty much rounds out what to expect from locals. I do just kind of want to throw it out there one more time. You know, if you are are new, especially if you're coming like, you know, just started playing Master Duel and you want to get into the real thing, please do. It's a whole lot of fun. Yeah, take the um, leap. This sounds really cringy and, and stupid, but Yu-Gi-Oh! really did change my life. So, and I would say it probably did for the rest of the scapegoats too. And I know that sounds really cringy. But it's kind of true, to be honest, because yeah, no, I, I mean, have... we we Go wouldn't, ahead. you know, that's that's how we all met. Like, we wouldn't be friends otherwise. And I mean, yeah, we play Yu-Gi-Oh, but we're not like we're not Yu-Gi-Oh friends per se. You know, we're friends outside of the game. Yu-Gi-Oh could disappear off the face of the planet and we'd all still be friends. But, you know, that only happened because we had that common interest of playing Yu-Gi-Oh 
and all of us decided to take that leap and actually go out to locals. So it's it's definitely worth it. True so, that. So to round off this video, I have asked each scapegoat to come up with one funny story to share with our listeners to reward you for listening to this podcast. I know this podcast may not have appealed to the more competitive listener, but definitely to the casual or new to Yu-Gi-Oh listener, it definitely appealed to you. This is what we're going we're gonna to do on the show is we're going to give you a little bit of everything because, you know, there's a shortage of content for Yu-Gi-Oh across the internet, regardless, to be honest, yeah. compared to other things. If you type in Elden Ring on the internet right now, you will find millions and millions and millions of things. But Yu-Gi-Oh, not near as much. So uh, Have you guys played a, Elden Ring yet? I have not. Uh, it's fantastic. I'm terrible. I know. I know it is. I'm just like so dying. bad. You don't yeah, <laughs> I would get really tilted. I'm not going to lie. That's fair. That's fair. I can only die so many times in a row before I... Speaking of raging, Josh, you don't have any room to talk about raging at video games. How many How many GameCube controllers have you broken? Okay, to okay. But, we're in the tens now, aren't we, Josh? Uh, we're past the tens. We're in the twenties. Oh, oh, that, oh my is, gosh, dude, calm down, that is behind dude. me now. I have not broken a controller in months for the He's record. He's a reformed man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. After All right. ten anyway, broken anyway. controllers. That's enough about our own personal uh, mental issues. So, yeah, right. Matt, would you like to start us off and give us an example of a funny experience you have seen at a local's to partially give a new viewer something that they may see, but also to give a laugh to an experienced player? Yes. I'm not sure how funny mine will be as much as heartwarming and uplifting. That's okay. Mine, uh, mine is not that funny either, but go ahead. Go ahead. So, we're the so there is a child that plays Yu-Gi-Oh there that we have known since we started playing who played Dark Magician Luna Lights for the, uh, not Luna Lights, uh, a fairy tale. Yes. Matt, yeah. one for, mercy turn. Matt, give for, him one mercy turn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he's like actually legitimately pretty good at the game. And like I've lost, say, like not just game, but like full matches to him before. So like you got to come ready for him. Yes. And so he just go to local every Saturday and... You know, that was really it. But then, so we went to a regional in Louisville one time and we got his mom, his mom came and uh, dropped him off and we were all there and we were all just like super excited for him to be there. And I was just like super like pumped and everyone was pumped that he was like, how old doing was he okay. at the time? That's a, that's a key piece of information. Probably uh, like seven or eight, nine, maybe. Maybe yeah, nine, ten. More. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he's just a really young kid. And it was, I just felt really awesome that everyone's like there supporting him and that people from our community were like, yeah, let's go. Let's go, kid. Yeah, to pick to piggyback on that real quick. We love him, by the way. He's great. It is awesome that he he kept coming back and even that he came to a regional. He he was good enough to beat you, right? Like I remember one time. So I end up, you know, playing against him. What if I were that child and I played Prohibition and then I called Tiger Mortar? <laughs> oh, is that that was the game, correct? If I'm not mistaken. That sounds correct, actually. Yeah, I was playing Zoo, and he beat me. Yeah, so that's a fantastic man. call, by the way. Yeah. Are we gonna like just overlook the fact that that's a great call for a oh, little kid to call? Yeah, sorry. Because anyone would just be like, "Oh, Dryden," you know what I mean? But that's a good call. I'm remembering now that that Matt brought it up. I decided I was gonna let him win a game, and so he won a game. And then I started tryharding in game two is what happened. And then he prohibitioned and called Tiger Mortar and I couldn't play out of it. And he actually beat me fair and square. 
So that's what it was. Don't underestimate anybody. The truth at is out, folks. Yes. The truth has it. finally been revealed. That's it. Man, you all are way too nice to him because like maybe it's because <laughs> I've seen him beat you all because what he'll do a lot of times is he'll be like, oh, just give me one turn of immunity. And sometimes like if I'm playing one mercy like, turn, give him one, yeah, mercy, one turn. mercy turn, you know, and like sometimes I'll let him do it like. Because it's even if you don't win, it's fun to kind of combo off with your deck, especially if you like put a lot of work into like, you know, building that deck. But I won't, I would like, no, dude, I'm going to beat you right here now. Cause if like I give you that one turn immunity, you're going to beat me just like the rest of these guys. So you're I gonna always crush them every time. Tiger Mortar. Yeah. No, I never, oh, no mercy on them. Sorry. So you're all just way too nice. <laughs> so, Emerson, that may lead to your story if I think I know what your story is. Emerson, give me your story. Oh, crushing kids. (laughs) All right. All right. Here we go. So at our locals, there's there's typically two. Like there's one at two and then there's usually one at five. And the first locals is usually pretty competitive. It's a lot of meta decks. And there's some kids as well. But a lot of times everyone always comes to the two o'clock one, plays meta and then leaves. And then all the kids stay for the five o'clock one. And so I think I actually won the the competitive locals. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm feeling good. Let's just, let's just keep going. And I asked Dylan, because Dylan's pretty good too. And I, I didn't want to be like the only one there, but I was like, Dylan, yeah. you want to stay? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So, okay. And like these kids were like also begging us too. They're like, hey, will you stay? Because we need like two more for, you know, to to actually keep, that's what, why we did it. Yeah. Cause they needed a couple more people so they could run the second log. So I was like, all right. And so I stayed and then I, <laughs> I instantly regretted. <laughs> so there is one kid though. So it was, it was me and this kid in the, the final, I think we we're both three and oh, mm-hmm. we can call like him shark. shark. Yeah. I don't remember his name. I know you all know him, but I don't, I'm terrible. Oh, bro, names. I know his name. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> anyway, He's pretty good though. Not gonna like he he knows his deck. He he doesn't know a lot of like the rulings. And I think what ended up happening is those are second of, of the three games. I don't know if he beat me. He might have beat me once, yeah. But but anyway, it's like our let's say our third game of the match, and uh, I'm playing Bujin Tri Brigade or Bujin. I don't know how you say that card, but and he's playing this dragon. He puts up something that's untargetable. And so I make Shireg, and, you know, for those of you who know, Shireg is untargetable removal. And so I was trying to, like, explain how, like, untargeting removal works. Because if I won this game, I was, or if I did this, this move to remove it, I would have won the game. And so he got, he got very mad. He, he literally threw a temper tantrum. And he's like, well, you can't win the game if you don't have your card. And then he grabs my Shireg and, like, holds it up and, like, points it at me. And I'm like, dude, stop playing. And so he's like what if I bend it? And then he started to freaking bend it. And I was like, oh, no, I'm about to choke this kid. I'm going to choke a child in front of all these good people. Like, no way. And uh, like, I, I, God I was looking around. Dude, wait, what'd you say? You're going to do it in front of God and all the angels. I know. Oh man. I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, dude, you're literally about like, I don't know how much Sereg is, but like, if it was like something uh, like a lot more expensive, I'd be like, dude, a slap a child. I, I wouldn't actually, but I, I was like legitimately metaphorically, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to like discipline this child in front of like strangers. Like I don't, you know. He was so. about to have to bend him over the table and give him a whooping <laughs> yeah. right in the I was. Yeah. or go tell his dad on him or something. He's not there. I don't like. I don't know. Like they just kind of let him roam around in the, the local. The parents and need to so, break. That's why they dump him. Can off we there. talk about that for a second? Is that? Do you all think that's normal? 
what they just let your kids have fun i, I yeah. don't think i would i don't have a kid. it's a safe environment there it's like you know we don't I got mean any- like I don't know. some of the kids there are pretty young i think you should be at least like 10 or so yeah i didn't see any adult supervision maybe they just because uh you know Lori and like the people who work at the shop they're pretty trustworthy people so oh, so how did 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 Lori end up having to help you out there or like how did no how did i tried to talk this dude inside i'm like screaming i'm like you are a child and I want to discipline you, but I'm not your father. And I don't know what to do because I can't use violence because you're a kid. But like, I was trying to just like talk him down. I was like, dude, come on, don't bet my cards. Like, I think I might, <laughs> I might have took his card. I was like, how would you like it? Yeah. <laughs> Two rounds. Right. Fire with fire. fire. Yeah, great, great lesson. Great lesson for the kids. Yeah, you know, it's a teaching moment, teachable moment. But after he calmed down, he was legit, like very mad. He's a kid, and I get it. Yeah, uh, and I was kind of mad too. But I'm like, okay, I'm the adult here. Come on, and I I was mad, but then I got prize cards and I pulled a forbidden droplet, so I was happy again. Oh yeah, nice. Okay. Yeah, money usually fixes everything. Yeah, yeah, it was a right. good, it was good locals. All right, yeah, that is that's awesome. I was really hoping that was the story he was going to tell because that is the funniest <laughs> shit in the world. So we heard Emerson's, we heard Matt's, Josh. What do you have for us? Honest, unfortunately, mine's not that funny. I don't know if like all the locals we've been to just run together, um, but this is the first thing that came to mind. So this is back in 2019 and we were at a locals. It was a special locals though, in a sense, there was some special prizing up for grabs. I don't know if you guys remember this tournament, but I believe we were all there. It was for a 2019 pack of two cards, Red Eyes, Black Dragon and Monster Reborn. Japanese parallel rare. There's only that was only 9,000 of those were released into the world. And our locals had three of them. So, you know, whoever, you know, they, they were up for grabs essentially. So people came to locals and everyone was tryharding this time. Right. And there's somehow there there developed a rule at our locals that you don't play true Draco unless you're Justin or you're really trying to win. Right. That was like the bane of everyone's existence at our locals was true Draco. Everybody hated it. Right. Well, guess what? I brought true Draco because I wanted to win that day. And uh, this and is you also I, wanted to not think while you did it. Exactly. And I, I wanted, you know, I didn't want any any issue of me losing to myself from overthinking. I just wanted to activate some floodgates and win the game. This was masterpiece was already banned, but diagram was still at three. So, and I was actually borrowing Emerson's True Draco deck at this event, or most of his deck, because I didn't have all the cards. So we get to, I believe it was round three, and I get matched up with who else? Emerson, the guy who I borrowed the deck from. Emerson, you were on Crusadia this, this tournament. Yes, yes. And I, I don't remember exactly how the match played out, except for how it ended. I don't think I won a game. I think you won game one, I, and I went first game two, and I open essentially a board of Dynamite Knight with the Monarchs Erupt set. And mm. I don't know how I didn't realize what I was playing against and why I didn't do this, but I didn't activate Monarchs Erupt in the standby phase when I passed Emerson. And this was all I had, by the way. I was confident <laughs> because Dynamite Knight gets me a trap. Monarchs Erupt stops all of his monster effects, so like I'm good, right? And he immediately, as soon as he goes to main phase one, Kaiju's my dynamite knight. And so I, again, like Crusadia, I don't know how I didn't read that he was on Kaiju's, but I wasn't panicking. 
And so he summons his monster and I go to flip the monarchs erupt. And then I read it and I say, oh, you can only activate this if you control a tribute summon monster. Well, I had a tribute summon monster until Emerson got rid of it. And so I was just sitting there with a dead board of just a gamma seal and that's it. And uh, he, in, in short, he destroyed me, right? So Emerson took that match and that might've actually been, we might've already lost one. And that, that put me out of contention for the, the prizing. I remember that specifically. So I was super disappointed, but what ended up happening, it was this guy versus another guy in the finals. Obviously top two are going to get a prize, uh, the, the prize. And then the third one, our locals announced that they were going to give away to somebody random. Okay. So only top two essentially uh, are going to, are going to get it. The guy not playing true Draco ends up winning the match. So he gets first place, takes one of the prizes. Unfortunately, because of tiebreakers, the guy who got second and was playing true Draco did not end up actually getting second place. He dropped down to third place, I believe, and somebody else got it. And then I got extremely lucky and won the random drawing to get the prizing. So it's not really a funny story, but super memorable because of the swing of emotions. I was super excited to play the tournament. I was super frustrated and upset when Emerson destroyed me. And then I was super happy at the end of it again. But then I also felt bad for the guy who was supposed to get second, but didn't because of tiebreakers, because I knew that prize was going to be fairly valuable. So yeah, that's my story. It was, it was just a roller coaster of emotions. Roller coaster. Yeah. Definitely. I think what we all take away from that story is that you shouldn't play True Draco. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, right. Well, my story is is definitely a funny one. I kind of wish we would have ended on yours because that would have been a better ending. But regardless, my mine is more of a funny one. I we have a friend. We all I guess we would say we all have a friend. Uh, her name is Kaylee, and she does not play Yu Gi Oh. And but she used to kind of she used to hang around with all of us. Like you know, after locals, we would all of course you know go back, hang out, get pizza, drink, whatever. And she would always come and hang out as well as a couple other people. And one day on a Saturday, I guess she must have just been very desperate to to for something to do. And I was like, well, you could always come to locals with us. And she was like, I don't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't want to do that. Plus, you know, Kaylee, she's not she's not a bad looking girl. Most people would say she's conventionally attractive. So she she comes with us and she she I I gave her a deck. I just want to interject real quick. That is (laughs) That's probably the most Yu-Gi-Oh player way to describe a girl being attractive. All right. Anyway, so uh, she goes to this to this tournament. It's just a regular old locals, regular day, and and there's this guy that he always kind of gets on our nerves. He's he's one of those dudes that does those unspoken rules that we talked about. And one of the unspoken rules that we did not mention was when, <laughs> and this should be common sense, but when you go to a locals, if there is a girl playing Yu-Gi-Oh. She is just a human and you don't have to treat her any differently. She, she, she's just there playing a card game, but he could not grasp that. This dude, like other people, if they see a girl, especially one who, you know, isn't ugly at a, re, at a, at a tournament, they give them extra attention. I don't know. You guys can back me up, right? This happens. Oh, I don't yeah. know why. 100%. Like, I guess it's just all the testosterone and we're all like, oh, dang, there's one girl in a sea. <laughs> Of yeah. all these sweaty ass dudes, and I, I could, I, I understand how one would stick out. But anyway, he comes up to her and he said, "Hey, hey, what's your name?" And you know, she obviously was not showing any signs that she was interested in talking to him. 
but she was like, you know, I'm Kaylee, whatever. And he goes, oh, okay. Do you want to play my deck? And, you know, obviously some thoughts are going through my head at that point. So I'm like, whatever. And she, she's like, oh, no, I have my own. It's okay. And he was like, well, do you need me to uh, buy you any cards? And she was like, no, nah, no, nah, it's, it's okay. We're, we're good. And he sees it. Uh, well, maybe I could pay for your entry fee. And she was like, no, it's okay. You don't have to. So this dude runs up to the counter and says, I'm paying for mine and that girl's entry fee. And he pays for it anyway, which is pretty strange. I'm not going to That's lie. like the equivalent of buying a girl a drink at a bar. <laughs> it, and it is. In Yu-Gi-Oh terms, it really is. I don't know if it's the equivalent, I would say. <laughs> it was pretty strange, though. So she's just kind of, and, and really there's not like a big climax to this story. But basically the whole time after every single round of the day, he would come up to her and just like stand behind her or stand next to her or whatever and just watch her play. And then he would be like, oh, good job. Oh, that was that was a good play. Oh, good job. And it's like, bro, chill. It's really not that serious. So the moral of that story is if there is a girl at locals, they're just a human. It's not that serious. Yeah. Moral of the story. If you see a girl act natural, it's normal. It happens. Also, if you go to like, you know, any mall, they're just all over the place. They're not that rare. It's not that crazy. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it just, they happen to be right, right at that moment. Our, our locals used to be located in a mall. So you could see like, and from where you were sitting at the tables, you could see the girls walking by and you could see guys all the time. Like their eyes would stray from the duel and get distracted, unfortunately. So that's all I got for you all. Josh, would you like to close us out? Yeah, for sure. So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to be uh, going over all of our favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card arts tournament bracket style. So there's going to be one winner at the end of the day, leaving at least three of us pretty upset about the results, I would assume. So that's going to be a good one. That's it for us here at the Scapegoats. See you next time.